Welcome back to Comfort Breeds Complacency. This is episode four. Today, I'm joined with my high school baseball coach, Mickey Kawahara. So thank you for joining me, Mickey. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, a lot of learning from you over the years, and uh, you were, you've been one of the biggest impacts and the athlete I am today. So I appreciate you taking some time talking well, with me. Yeah, well, thank you. That that's uh, That's actually an honor to hear that. I appreciate that. That's probably... You know, for me as a coach, probably the biggest, uh, you know, the the biggest thank you that I can hear from any player. So, no, I certainly appreciate that. Of course. Uh, I know you run the National Smart Academy program for baseball as well as your own training programs. But before you get into the coaching side of things, did you want to kind of explain your career starting as a player and up to where you are today? Yeah, I grew up in, in Red Deer. So, you know, really similar um, to a lot of the Calgary players that we coach here, just lots of, uh, indoor training, short season, all of that stuff. So, um, I went through my high school career in Red Deer right after I was done. I actually had a chance to go to Australia. So I played a year in Australia. My, the first time I'd ever played 12 months of baseball in a row. So that was a, it was such a great learning experience for me to be able to, you know, not only play more and play for a few more months, but also, you know, I learned how to, you know, wash my own clothes and, you know, make food and do all of those things before I had to do that with a university schedule as well. So had a chance to do that, played in Australia for a year. Um, and then I actually went to UBC and I went to UBC after my year in Australia. Uh, I spent two years there. I wasn't, I wasn't a great college baseball player. And so I was there redshirted my first year, the second year I was there, I didn't play that much. And um, I always said to myself, I said, you know, I want to go to UBC. That's the education that I want. I want to go to that school. Uh, and I said, you know, if I could play baseball, then that would be, you know, kind of a bonus. And uh, I should have known that that would not be the case. And I really wanted to finish playing. Just, I just really wanted to, I, I just missed the competition and I practiced a lot and I was red shirting, but I wasn't playing very much. So I actually transferred from UBC to Douglas College. Uh, played a full year at Douglas College, and that was my last year of college baseball. Then I transferred back to UBC and finished my education. Uh, and then I started coaching right away. I started coaching uh, right away with Coquitlam and White Rock in BC. Uh, and then before I moved back to Calgary and, and started our own company. And it was a bit of a long and sort of winding road through college, but I think it taught me a lot when um, when I really had to work extremely hard for everything that I had. So, you know, nothing, nothing in baseball seemed to come easy to me. So I had to figure out the best, most efficient way to do things. I had to train a little harder than everybody else. And, um, I think that not only helped me as a coach, but then it helped me build the company that we started here when we got back to Calgary, because, uh, I felt like when I got out of high school, I still, having done everything I possibly could with baseball, I still wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to play in college. So um, that's that really is what drives everything that we do here every day, whether it's, uh, you know, our, our winter training programs or whether it's our academy program or whatever it is. We're just trying to close that, that gap that some of our Alberta players have, unfortunately, with the weather and some of the training um, issues with, with being indoors for so long. So um, just trying to change, change that a little bit and close that gap that's been big for us and, and drives us every day to do what we do. Yeah, I know, especially when I played Oakland College and we go down south for our tournaments in Arizona, Vegas in February time. 
and you'd be playing indoors and doing the best you could, but you'd be playing these teams that played outside all year long and they're just like head and shoulders better and even just the little things, just everything, getting to practice outside, see actual reads off the bat and outdoors and everything. So yeah. it is tough trying to do that out outside here. Yeah, and there's there's nothing quite like being outside and playing the game, and we do – everything we can inside but there's nothing like actually playing and competing every day so you know I think I thought that was that was the biggest difference for me I I played my year in Australia and that was good that helped me close the gap a little bit I was physically a little better I was you know skill wise I was a little better player but I showed up there and I remember I was talking to one of the other freshmen who showed up same year as me and he was from the lower mainland and he had played 110 games the previous year. And when, when we were in Red Deer, provincial team, all of those things all added up. We were probably 40, maybe 50 games. And he was double that in one year. And you think about that over grade 10, 11, and 12. And, you know, he was probably 150 to almost 200 games ahead of where we were coming out of Alberta. So, um, you know, you're right. It's just, it's, it's really hard to close that gap when you can't play and coaches do the best they can. You know, we, we really appreciate the effort that we get from our players knowing, you know, when they come indoors, they know they're inside for a long time. It's months and months. Um, and they do the best they can to try to close that gap, but it's just, it's so hard. And then in some ways too, you know, the way that we look at it is we see some opportunities, I think, to even be able to take advantage of that, not being outside and not being in competitive atmosphere. You know, we try to tell our players that that's an opportunity for them because it's hard to make some adjustments. And, you know, you know that as an athlete, when I'm in a competitive environment, if I'm a hitter, let's say, and I know I've got to go one-on-one with a pitcher, if I'm making adjustments in my swing and I'm changing mechanics, that can be really, really tough when I also have to try to compete one-on-one with a pitcher. So when you take the competitive element out, there's also, I guess, an op- more of an opportunity to make some adjustments over the offseason, and we certainly see that. Uh, we just don't get quite the number of tests along the way. Like, we'd like to be inside for a couple months and then be able to play some games and see where we're at and then, you know, be inside for a couple months. And we don't get that, but we do think that players have an opportunity when they're completely removed from the competitive environment to really be able to, to make some serious adjustments before they get out next spring. So um, although it probably is not ideal for most of our players, we try to make the best of it that we can. So, Mm. and especially um, I know, excuse me, if um, going from like you're living in Canada, you don't, as a high school person, you don't have a choice to move. Like your family lives here. So it's just making the most of where you are. And if that's your goal, then find a way to make it happen instead of just like feeling sorry for yourself, I guess. So that's, that's really important. I know all that, that you've been like instilled in the players and all that. So, yeah, that is, that is a big thing about, yeah, not, not making that as your excuse, you know, that's, this is something that that's difficult to get over, but uh, yeah, seeing it as a bit of an opportunity, a bit of a challenge. And, you know, for us, that's, that's what our programs are about is, you know, we always try to tell our players that we're providing them with the structure, with the opportunity. It's up to all of the players to take advantage of it, you know, to take advantage of the reps, to try to close that gap with what they, the opportunities that they have. Um, but that was one thing when I was in high school, I felt like that's what I, what I didn't have. You know, we didn't have 
an indoor facility at all, you know, we didn't have an opportunity to throw and to hit through the winter. So, you know, when we were here and we moved back to Calgary, that was, that was the big motivator for me was, can we create a program that has the opportunity and then we, can we get players into it that are willing to take advantage of those opportunities? And, um, you know, you're right. You got to get past the, the excuses of the weather. And um, if you have the opportunity, you have the space and you have the time, then it's just about trying to find find the players and create the environment where they can take advantage of it. Yeah, culture based yeah. around. Yeah. Um, as a player, when you were coming near the end of your career and it finally did end, did you feel like a loss of identity almost, or with, did coach and fill that right away? Cause I know for me, I had obviously the concussion issues that yeah. um, didn't really allow me to play the way I wanted to at the end when I would dive for a ball or, uh, and get like set off or I'd be in the box and just have almost that PTSD from getting hit and just, I couldn't commit. And it just wasn't fair to me or the team to play, even though I wanted to compete so bad still. So that's kind of how I got into triathlon and less impact sport, individual sport. But I know like in that transitional period, the like loss of identity, like you've done this for so many years, but like thousands of hours into training, then all of a sudden it's done. How did you kind of navigate through that? Yeah, it, it was, it was that, um, I certainly had a, a, I felt a bit of that loss. Um, I remember a conversation that I had with my brother-in-law actually, and I remember telling him he was coming to the end of his hockey career. And I said, listen, the one thing you're going to miss is competing every day. Like that's what I really, really missed was, um, I love to train and I love that part of it. Love being in the weight room, but it was the, it was the competing with your teammates and being in that environment that I really missed. And, you know, I think for me, I knew probably after my first college year that, that I wasn't a pro player. You know, I realized that, if I was going to stay in the game, it would have to be some other way. It it wasn't going to be playing. So for me, I got into coaching right away. 2002 was when we incorporated our business. So, you know, that means, uh, that was the summer right after my first college year. And I came back to Red Deer and we started running baseball camps and I really enjoyed that. And I was just trying to get a bunch of the, the youth in Red Deer, trying to get them some of the teaching that I had, I had gotten the past couple of years, you know, being in Australia and being at university and trying to pass that along. And that, that really did start to fill that void before I ever ended up, you know, quitting before I was actually retired, done, not competing anymore. Um, when I, when I stepped off the field that filled that void, um, before I was done, cause I started coaching right away. And, um, I was really lucky to have some really good mentors. And, uh, when I first started coaching, I had a head coach who brought me in and not only gave me some responsibility, but, you know, also, you know, encouraged me to, to make some mistakes and take, take responsibility for certain parts of the program and gave me lots of freedom. So, you know, I, I, I felt like I had, I had started to create a bit of a coaching identity before I got out of the playing side of things. And I think that really, really helped with that transition, but there's no question as soon as, as soon as it stopped and I went into the following fall, which should have been, you know, a fall season where I was preparing for the spring. I remember that pretty clearly. I was going to school and it was it it was missing the competition. It was missing, you know, the fall games, even if they were inner squads. And that was something that 
that really kind of struck me. Um, I was still able to be at the field and we were still training. I was coaching rather than, than actually practicing, but you know, the, the time void, I didn't have any issues with that because I jumped right into coaching, but, um, I really, really missed the competition. That was the big part for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, transitioning for me from a sport where you are with your teammates every day to an individual sport. I got in and cloned with a training group of guys like that, but as well as kind of as soon as my triathlon career was born, it almost, I almost realized how quickly I wasn't going to be, let's say an Olympian because I actually am training with a like future Olympian and just seeing the same hours, same everything putting in and coming in older than they were, I was thinking, right. Oh yeah, I'm going to smoke these guys. Right. And then, just getting like swept by these guys are just like unreal. And you realize like genetics and like the, all the years of training. So that's kind of how I got into ultra stuff. Cause I realized like that suits me better just the way I work. But yeah, it is, it is like humbling to see like you might think that you're here and then realize there's people way, way above you and, yeah. And, it, and it's about, yeah, that, that pool of players. And, you know, and I think, I think what you said is, is really interesting to me because, you know, I, I, I have three kids and so now I'm involved in youth sports. And I think that's one of the things is that, you know, parents feel like, like players maybe don't realize where they are, you know, like, like parents feel like maybe players are insulated to the realities of where their skill level fits. And I just, I'm not sure that that's the case. I think these players know, you know, players come into our training center, they're getting ready for next summer, but I don't think they have any illusions as to where they fit. You know, are they disappointed when they don't make one team or don't make another? I'm sure they are. And, and we have those conversations, but like you said, when you are side by side with training partners and you see the way that your skill level stacks up with other people at the same age or maybe younger or, you know, somebody who's maybe looking to take your job or be in your spot. I think players are very intuitive. You know, my, my son's, you know, 12 and, and he knows about where he fits, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's around those players all the time and, and he's pretty in tune with where his skill level fits. And, and, you know, I think that that's something that maybe uh, as coaches and parents, maybe we forget a little bit um, or we think that players don't realize that, but um, you know, that's, that's one thing that I think has been, you know, important for us as a coaching staff is to just, you know, to be honest with our players, because I really feel like they do know when, when they, they can't compete at a certain level. Right. And, um, I think that's kind of where that honesty comes back and, and maybe, maybe not all athletes are intuitive as you are, um, and understanding exactly sort of where you fit, but I think they're more intuitive to more in tune to that than, than maybe we realize. Mm -hmm. I don't think like if you realize that, I don't think that means just give up on what you're trying to do. I just think like if you're, if you can transition, maybe like uh, the route that your career goes or what you, because if you just spend your time, obviously if you're putting that much time and effort in, you're passionate about it, but you could be like better at a certain same like realm, but maybe just a different part of it. Right. Yep. So yeah, I think it is really important that you obviously take all that in, but that you are honest with yourself about that. But at the same time, I guess there is also something to say for people who just like dream really big and yeah. are just like, you hear a lot of people say I'm not talented or obsessed, right? So then yeah. you kind of just 
force yourself there so yeah and i think i think that that's true you know i don't i don't think it's yeah it's not about necessarily lowering your standards but you know and i think that's part of again i think what coaches what we as a group we we try to do with our players is have them be realistic about where they are so that when they're going into a summer that they go in confident with the skills that they have you know i have this skill set this is where i'm really good and trying to really leverage that as they go into a season. And then also, you know, like you said, trying to make sure that they also, that they have bigger aspirations. They know that they have some some weaknesses and some areas that they can improve on to be better players. Um, but I think that's one of the things that, you know, for us, it's always a little bit of a, it's a struggle. It's a little bit of a, a line that we need to walk. We want players to go into the summer with with some confidence, you know, with being... Um, being really confident in the skills that they have and where they're at, but then also, you know, making sure that they, they understand that there's still, you know, there's still lots of opportunities out there as they grow. Um, and I, I do feel like, I, I guess one of the advantages of being inside a lot, that's what we do as coaches is we're looking all the time, you know, where, where's our weaknesses, where can we improve? What do we need to work on as players? And I think some players can really take that as, you know, as a negative, right? I'm always being told that I'm, you know, I, this, I need to work on this and I'm not, not quite good enough here. And, and that's where as coaches for us indoors for such a long time, we're really focused on also making sure we're telling players where they're really good. You know, you're doing these things. Well, this is something that, that you do well, this is something where you can improve, but remembering to tell them that they're really good at some things and, and also remembering to for them to be able to look back and see how far they've come. You know, I think, you know, again, and when we're inside for so long and, and we don't have the ability to train and then compete for a period of time and then train and then compete for a period of time, I think some players forget how far they've come. And, um, you know, we try to remind them about those things as well, because it's, it's something that, again, it's a little bit of that line, you know, making sure that they still have big goals and big dreams. And then that they're also really confident with the skill set that they have and, and that they realize they can compete with that as well. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what specifically made you want to teach or coach like high school age kids, as opposed to maybe, as you got higher up in your coaching career, leveling up to college or pros or like, what is it about high school or younger guys that draws to you? I, I think the, the high school age for me is something where I feel like we can have a, probably a larger impact. I think in, in the collegiate, I think, you know, one is there's a lot less job security there. So building something can be a lot harder in, in the college, um, in college programs. So here we feel like we have enough stability where we can really grow something long-term. And it's interesting, the, the longer I've been coaching, the more I've actually been drawn, you know, probably because my kids are younger, you know, at, at, sort of, you know, 10, 12 and, and 14 or, you know, 9, 11, 13 in that age group, as they're starting to be in that, in that age and, and sports are becoming a bigger part of their life. That's been something where for me, I've actually been drawn to the younger age groups as I've gotten older. So lots of high school, um, our high school programs were built initially because that's, that's where I wanted to make the biggest impact. Cause that's where I felt like I 
didn't necessarily get have the opportunities that I needed, um, especially because I I wanted to work hard. You know that that was never an issue for me, um, but it was it was something where I felt like if it, I was just didn't have the resources to be able to do that. So I wanted to be able to create an environment where we had those resources. And I think long term, we can do that a little bit easier at the high school level. Um, but the longer I've gone on, the more I've been drawn to younger players and trying to give them uh, the uh, just a great starting foundation to to love and to want to play the game for as long as possible. Um, I think that, that that's something that in baseball, maybe more than other sports, kids are pushed away from that game so early. It's not you know, it's not always the most exciting and the most engaging, especially when practices and games are sometimes just very low tempo. So for me, that's been that's been a real passion of mine is to be able to try to draw more younger kids, more younger players to the game by making practices and games just a, a little bit more exciting and a little bit more high tempo and a bit more movement. Um, and that's something that I think has changed for me. It was it was a really, really heavy high school focus. But, you know, I've seen our demographic here in our facility get a little bit younger as we've gone on. Yeah, and I think it's cool to see, especially where I came from, in your program starting when I was in grade 10. And uh, I graduated in 2015, so I was three years there, then one year after when I had some health issues with my concussions. I trained again with you before going to university, but I remember my first year we had five guys in the program, and like now you got how many guys? Like, yeah, we, last year we finished up with 24 players in our program. You know, and it was growing a little bit, you know, a couple every year. Um, we've gone through a lot of changes with with the National Sport Academy and with the Calgary Board of Education. Um, but for us, we're we're looking at again seeing some changes. You know, we could see them as a negative, and you know, it could it, we could look at it as being much more difficult for us to grow our program. But you know, we're looking at the change as an opportunity to be able to have a bit more freedom to do and to be able to grow our program. So, you know, last year we finished up with 24 players and you're right. It was, it was a really, really small group to start and um, our numbers just steadily increased and we were adding a few players every year and got all the way up to 24 last year. And um, you know, we expect our program again to be able to grow even though with, with some changes. So um, you know, I think that that is, that's exciting for us to see that the environment that we're creating is, is something that players want to be a part of. Yeah. Especially like, like I mentioned earlier, that culture around starting out of a small base and building up, you gain, like make, if you're able to stay where you are, like you're saying, coaching these guys, the culture based around the work ethic, the discipline, everything coming up and like the camaraderie you build with guys are training hours and hours with all the time. You just become like close knit and you can push each other more and all that. It's awesome to see. Yeah. That's been a big part of, of what we've been able to do. Like you said, year on year, um, as well with a new facility and with that training environment, I think that's made a big difference as well. Um, it's not all about, excuse me. It's not all about where you train and, you know, the tools that you have and how fancy your facility is. But for us, it's just about, you know, being in the environment, you know, for us, 
Uh, you know, I tell players all the time, nobody comes here to, to get better at ping pong, but we have a ping pong table here and that's like our best investment because it means that, that players want to be here and they want to stay here and they want to hang out here. Mm -hmm. And we, that, that's the kind of environment that, that we want to create is a place that, um, that players want to just, just be around, you know, be there getting better as, as players. Um, but also just being around here and contributing to the environment as well, making this a better place to be. Yeah. I remember just even like rolling out after and just spending longer. You yep. think you're going to be done at this time. You end up spending like hours just talking or maybe doing a few extra reps or something or coming in on the weekends. And yeah, that always, I always really enjoyed being around doing that. And I, I like to think that every like big moment you'd have like playing the world series or completing something like that's built up of so many small moments that yep. like are just mundane, but they add up over the course of yep. so long. Yeah. And, and you know, for, for our players too, and, and for, I guess you to recognize that, that all of those moments, those big moments in our program too, are built up of every single one of those players that came through, you know, and, and for me to think back to, those years when we did, we had four, five, six players and it would have been really easy again for, for people to say, well, you know, I, I can't get what I need in a baseball program that has five players, but you know, our, our players invested just as much as our coaches did. And, and, um, you know, that's something that I'm really appreciative of is, is those players that have, have contributed, you know, thousands of hours, but like you said, just, you know, built on the program. And I think that's something that is, you know, hopefully is, is something that stays around our program for a really long time that players come here and they're getting what they, what they need and what they want out of our program. But they're also not here just, just to take, you know, they're not here just what can the program give me, but they, they come here every day thinking about what they can, they can, do to be able to push our program forward. Right. And, and to be able to contribute to our training environment on a daily basis. And, you know, I, I think back to the, the hundreds of players that have come before this year's group and, um, you know, players like you have, have contributed to everything that, you know, that we have here, you know, the culture that we have right now and the facility and the opportunities that we're providing for, for these players that that's all been built on the backs of our players that have come before. And, um, you know, and that, that's something that I'm certainly appreciative of for sure. I think it's cool too. You have the like Christmas classic every year, the wiffle ball tournament stuff where alumni come in and I get to meet the new guy. I always enjoy coming yep. back and seeing everybody that I used to play with at Christmas time or wherever is everybody's in town, but meeting like the new guys and seeing who's in the program now and yep. seeing you guys have an actual like full team. You can feel the team and play and that's yeah, super cool to see. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember like talking about, investing as much as like coaches and players invest in the same. I always really appreciated when, cause I had a lot of troubles. I'd always overthink things a lot. And I know like a lot of times you would just, if I needed help, you'd like come out and just feel like ground balls, hit ground balls to me. So just trying to like work through the yips, trying like yep. just get, just like get out of my head, work through that. So like if I ever need anything, I was really appreciate you being there, like help with that. So yeah. Yeah, well, and, and you know that's something that as a as a coach, you know, um, days like today, when when I have a chance to to connect with you and connect with with any player that's been through our program, um, or like you said, when you're playing for a, for a player to come and say, "Listen, I need some help," and and for me to be the coach that 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 player comes to, 
you know, that, that's a, that's a huge thing for me that, that to me is, is one of the biggest rewards within coaching. And, and one of the reasons why I'm trying to, with our group now to be able to diversify our coaching staff, I would love to have a coach on our staff that every player feels comfortable, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else to say, you know, listen, I need some help with something. I need some help at home or with this skill or academically or whatever it is. And, you know, again, coming back to, to trying to create that environment where players feel safe and whether it's, whether it's me or another coach, they feel comfortable saying, you know, I need some help with something and, and hopefully we're able to, to provide the help they need. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, I, how did you specifically get into NSA? Cause I know NSA through Central Memorial, it's, I just last week had on, uh, he was an ex NSA hockey player, Cole Richardson, but he got into bodybuilding now. And, uh, I remember both of us just talking about our experiences in NSA in the different sports because hockey had, when I was in baseball with five players, they had 40, 50 right. players. So it was like, a obviously hockey's bigger than baseball here in Calgary, but yeah. How did you get from your like Diamond Dogs brand uh, as well as keeping that running to start with Central and NSA and all that? It was it was one of those things where and and I know when I was younger I heard this too is you never know the connections that you're making you know it doesn't matter where you are and who you're talking to you might be making a future connection for a job or another opportunity or whatever it is. The National Sport Academy baseball program had been running for a number of years, and Jim Lawson was coaching it at the time. And uh, they had actually brought in Chris Rietzma, who was you know a former big league pitcher, um, you know led the National League one year in appearances, was you know was a high leverage reliever for a long time, Mariners, Braves, and so then he brought he came in and he started to run the program, and it ended up that the two of them were running it together and uh, Jim Lawson decided that uh, at the Christmas break that he had some other opportunities he was pursuing in the spring. And so he ended up actually leaving the program and that left Chris by himself. And uh, just through one of the players that was in the program, they, they suggested, they just threw out my name and, and Roger Wolf at the national sport Academy came and approached me and said, you know, would you be interested in stepping in for term two? and and finishing out the second semester and then we can talk about where the future goes and it ended up that uh, I finished that semester two with Chris and we coached together and then he was he was just starting that at that time with the junior national team and he was still scouting professionally so he was out of town a lot and um, he has three he had three daughters young young girls at the time so um, his his personal life was getting a lot busier and so I ended up taking over the program in September full-time and um, from that point forward it that that's when things really started to grow so it was just a connection that I had made that I hadn't even realized you know it was um, a player that was um, he was a grade 11 at the time and his dad was very interested in making sure that the program had at least enough continuity into the following year that uh, that he could finish out his grade 12 year and I I I didn't even know that this family knew me and I, at the time I was coaching with the Calgary Cubs and, um, and it was one of those things where they just thought it would be a good fit and suggested my name. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's something that 
that I'd heard a lot when I was young, but it, that, that was one of those things that really, really did. I had no idea I was making any of those connections and it ended up being, um, you know, up until essentially this past year was my 12th year with the national sport Academy. Um, now with, with our changes with the CBE, you know, our connection with the national sport Academy is, you know, essentially, you know, isn't, isn't going to be the same. It's not going to exist any longer, but you know, for me, that was 12 really, really good years, not only being able to, to have the freedom to build a program like that, that could offer some different opportunities. And, um, but the, the people that I met, the coaches that I've had, the players that I've had in our program, um, those, those 12 years were, um, were really incredible for me. And it, and it really came out of just one opportunity, you know, not to mention a full semester coaching with, with Chris Rietzma, you know, former big league pitcher and, you know, junior national team coach. And, and he is such a great guy and, and so gracious with his time and his knowledge that, um, you know, I learned so much in, in the five, six months that I was with him that, um, you know, I, I maybe, I, I felt more ready, I guess, than, than in September, um, when I took over the program and I was still pretty young at the time, but, um, but he was, you know, he was so great to make that transition pretty easy. That's awesome. I know, um, thinking about, uh, where you come from as a coach, when new kids come in or new athletes, uh, I remember like walking in NSA, just like super green, not, not having any training experience, anything like that. And then having like all these bases like laid for me to build upon over the next, and I'm still building upon. It's like the foundation of built athletic career on. Like we learned how to train like professional athletes. That's one thing I learned. Like taking the work ethic that I learned at NSA, going to even universities. Like I was surprised by it, almost how little some of the guys did. That they they might be more talented, but right. they weren't doing the things that like mental training, journaling, uh, like your nutrition, just anything like that, that we learned how to do here through you. So I was wondering if you could touch on like some of the more important things of like the mental aspect of things. Cause I know even with myself and like I talked about having the yips and getting nervous and I've, I realized for me that now what I'm doing with the ultra stuff, it's more or less like, the goals there, just do it. Like it's, you don't really have to think it's right. more just, just doing it. So, um, kind of all of those mental things I've learned helped me along the way there, but, um, they all started just not even knowing about journaling or anything like that. How, like how important is that to you to instill that in new players or athletes? Yeah, that's, that's a really big part of the reason. And I, I think maybe, maybe the word academy, especially around, around baseball these days, it gets used so much. Uh, but I, I love that sort of that academy atmosphere because it tied us to school. And so for the first time, I felt like we had a time every week in our classroom session where we could go through all of those topics that take all of the hours of training that we're doing physically, but allows us to tie them together with a mental component and allows us for players to understand why we're doing things, why we're doing them in a certain order. Why are we doing this in the weight room? And, you know, we're doing this with our hitting or our throwing. So, you know, I felt like that was really something that gave us the ability to take our program to another level where everything then could be tied together in a classroom like a, you know, essentially like a whiteboard type session. 
And the one of the big things for me is the journaling. And yesterday we had actually had a classroom session with um, one of our U16 groups. And that's what we went over was, you know, you, you need to have a book and just to be able to write things down and to start off by writing whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, just date it and write whatever you're thinking that day. And then as you go along, I think that tool can be just so diverse, whether it's, you know, talking about in-game performance and what you can do and how you can get better and what you did well. Um, but also I remember as a high school player, I didn't, I didn't journal. And I remember lots of nights where, you know, I would lay in bed before I went to sleep and, you know, at bats are running through my head over and over again. And just to be able to get that out on paper, I started doing that in college and some of it was performance based and how at bats went and how my practices went, what drills I liked, things that I liked doing. Um, but it became so much more for me to be able to just to be able to get thoughts out of my head and onto paper. Um, I, you know, one of the first journal entries that I have, and I still have my, my, my athlete journal. Um, one of the first journals I have in there, it's, you know, it's me in October at UBC and I'm talking about, you know, coming home, you know, I want to leave. I'm, I'm not comfortable there. I don't feel like I really fit in. I showed up late because I was at a tournament playing for a provincial team in Japan. So I didn't really know my teammates and I'm two weeks late for school and I'm behind academically and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, but I was able just to write about it and, you know, I have it down on paper and for me to be able to look back on that, um, I think that's, that has a, a lot of unique, uh, you get a lot of unique perspectives just from that, just being able to look back on it. And, and it starts just like I told players yesterday, I said, you know, you just need to have something to write on and then just start writing on it. We can, you know, we can talk about different things, topics that you can work through and all of those things, but you just need to be able to write it down. So journaling for me was, is really foundational with our players. And then when we start to get into whether we're talking about visualization, when we're doing our goal setting, it, it gives us a spot to do all of that. And then talk about, you know, I tried this and this, this really worked. You know, I tried this and this doesn't really work. My, you know, as we go through and we're talking about self-talk and awareness and, and those types of things, we have a spot where we can actually, we can write about, did that work? Didn't it work? How did I try it? Um, how can I make that better? And, and I think having a central spot for that is really important. Um, I think one of the other, one of the other foundational tools for us is, is in routines as, and is in building processes. And I think that's really important for our players because it allows them to be able to have not, not just consistency, but it allows them to be able to approach games, um, next season for them, whether they're, you know, it's the first game of the year or it's an exhibition game or it's a, you know, a final of a tournament to be able to approach those games the same way. And to be able to give them, um, you know, a process to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now and, and um, it, one of the quotes that comes out of that book is the process is fearless. And when, you know, that's something that I'm trying to relate to our players is when we're inside here, let's build some really strong processes that we can always go back to. You know, it's not something where we want to fall into, you know, mindless, just 
comfort, but it's something that actually gives us a foundational place to start each one of our performances and gives us, um, you know, something where we're, we can be really consistent with our effort. And, um, and I think that's, that's probably the second foundational tool for us is what we actually do in our training sessions, you know, giving them the ability to, to build those processes themselves and to be able to tweak those processes on their own rather than us dictating them to them, um, giving them lots of tools to be able to experiment and, and try and, and build all of those processes themselves so that when they really do need help, you know, and when, when they do enter into situations that, um, you know, where they are maybe more nervous, there's a bit more pressure that they have something that they can always go back to. Um, and those would be the two big things for us, for those, for those incoming grade tens for us is to go through that process and to really make sure that, that they can drive that process. And, and I don't know if, you know, you thinking back to grade 10, if you remember having kind of a bit of an adjustment period, but, you know, I tell our grade 10 parents all the time that, that it'll take students a few weeks, maybe a month to really be able to, to get comfortable, um, engaging in our, in our training environment. Uh, lots of players, when they come in, they're used to classic school where, you know, I'm told something and I need, I need to learn it. Um, I'm told what to do, uh, even in, in athletic environments, you know, my warm up is set up and my BP rounds are all set up and the player is not necessarily, the athlete isn't responsible for driving that process. And that's something that we really, we really try to try to really try to push on our players is you need to be responsible and you need to be the one driving that process. And, um, that comes to, you know, even building our routines, right? That's up to you to be able to take all of the tools that we're giving you, um, the drills, the knowledge, all of that, and put together your own routines. Uh, and, and it takes them a little while to be able to do that. You know, that's not something that I think is, is taught a lot in our, in schools and in our society and in our sports programs. Lots of it is coach tells you what to do. I do it. And I either make some adjustments or I don't either get better or I don't, but I'm not always necessarily the, the one responsible for actually leading and engaging in that process. And, um, that's something that, that I think takes a little bit for our players to get to that point where they feel, they feel actually comfortable doing that and leading that process. Um, lots of them, you know, that's a, that's a pretty foreign concept for them. Yeah. I remember coming in. Yeah. Feeling like we got our shirts or whatever. I actually remember taking by mistake the shirt that, everybody tried on and I had a coat shirt for like the first month or whatever. But, uh, I remember getting like my journals and my books and binders the first day. I still have them actually, but yeah, just especially where I'm at now where a lot of the stuff I do isn't like, uh, let's say a race where you're the dates planned and all you have to do is train, show up and do it. Like a lot of stuff I'm doing is where you have to, like all the logistics yourself are created, everything planning up, all that's created. But I think it did come from especially getting an NSA, getting all these tools at the start, and then like having to take the bus home after, like being alone because all my schools before were really close. And because I was specifically going to this school, it was across the city. So even just navigating home, I started driving in grade 11. But before that, taking the bus or doing football, and going yeah. from football to baseball or from baseball to football to baseball and then have to do homework. And I think I really got like learned how to do 
like scheduling thing time, scheduling things with time. And I know even now that helps me, especially on, let's say my bike check across Mexico or us where you wake up and you might not be motivated at all, but just a discipline to like you, it's been instilled. Right. So like biking all day and then stop and then trying to edit and like videos and knowing how to figure out how to slot everything in time wise. It was huge. And then journals as well. I got away from it a little bit in university. Cause again, they don't like, they don't make you do it a lot of the time. Yep. So uh, you just get caught up in school and stuff like that. But I, I got back to it even when I was done baseball and I've been doing it for years, every single day. And like I, st- when I first started my first journal on two, it was just, just that no expectation, just literally write. It's just me talking to me. Yep. So just get some down. And I know like so much I'll be doing workouts or something and something pop in my head. And I like, I don't even know what I did before. Cause it feels like so dire to get it down right. on paper yeah. and like, or just get it out of my head. Like I, if it's in there, I, I don't want to forget it, but if I get it down, then it's down. And then I started realizing that the things I was writing down are actually, like, if I've talked to people that, like, help them, like, they say, oh, I didn't look at it that way. or And then just realizing, like, oh, these thoughts that I've had that I thought maybe, not silly, but just thoughts that can actually help other people. And as well, help myself, like, looking back at journal entries from three years ago, what I thought I'd be doing or how I thought I'd look at stuff. And, and then again, I do after every ultra event or some, I do a full like debrief and that's super important to take what I learned from that one to help with the next one as well, like would be for games or whatever. And then using those keys again with visualization and running. Like I remember before Mex or before America, I went through like the whole trip of my mind, just every hill, everything, everything I thought it could go wrong. Obviously some things come, you don't expect, but yeah. everything you think of just visualize it. I remember doing this in baseball too, but, um, so you've seen it before. There's a pathway built already. It's not a surprise. The first time you've seen it. Right. So you can react and have a reaction ready as opposed to just maybe coming off instincts or some that you don't know what would happen. So, and it's amazing too, how some of those, like you said, some of those thoughts that you put down, they're really useful to other people. And you, you maybe when you have those thoughts and you don't write them down, you don't record them, you don't maybe think about them in a different way or your own thoughts in a different perspective, you don't realize how valuable they are to other people. And I know there's been times when, you know, we're in the classroom and of course we have grade 10, 11 and 12 students. So, you know, we have teenagers in the classroom and we're in there for an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes. And we're trying to do different stuff. So we're trying to do some baseball stuff and we're trying to do some mental skills and we're trying to do some, some thinking about college and some college placement. So we try to get them moving around, but there has been dozens of times where I'm sitting in class and I'm looking around and like, is, is anybody actually getting anything out of this? Like, are they getting what I, what I'm hoping when I put it together that they're going to get out of it? And those moments for me where it, it really helps keep me motivated to keep building those tools and to keep putting them out there is, you know, I, I have players who come back to me. I had one player who was in, in college and it was the same thing. They went away from some of the stuff that we did and they were in their second year of university and sent me a message and said, Hey, can you send me the weekly template that we used to do every week where we would just write in, 
you know, this is what I have going this week. And if I have, you know, a basketball game on a Wednesday night, I know I can't do homework there. So I'm going to move it somewhere else. And just being a bit more intentional about that. And they messaged me and just said, you know, can you send me that template? Because I am really struggling with my time management and I didn't realize it, but though, you know, those tools are something that I just haven't used and would be really, really valuable right now. Um, I had another player and I sent, just sent them a message on their birthday. I just said, Hey, happy birthday. And, and he actually sent me a text back and said, you know, I thank you for, for what you did. I, I just really wish, and he didn't finish our program. He, he ended up leaving our program in grade 11 and, you know, for him just, you know, some, some priorities changed and things like that. And, and we were trying to, we were really supportive of, of him moving out of the program and looking at some different options. And, and when I sent him this message, he said, I just wish that I had realized what, what I was getting, um, when I was actually getting that information. And he said, you know what, I, I'm really using that information now. And, you know, it's, it's really helpful when I reflect on it. Um, he just said, I, I just in the, in the moment didn't realize how valuable that information was going to be. And, um, it's those moments where I'm like, wow, that, that's, that is really, really great that whether they doesn't matter. It's, it's not really a timeline for us. You know, it's not like, okay, in this class, we need them to get certain amount of information out of it. It's not a timeline for us and different players will get it at different times. Um, but those are the types of things that, that really drive me to be like, okay, this is, this is important. You know, this is a big part and it might mean that we're not in here and hitting or in here and in the weight room, but those, those minutes that we spend on that are really important. I remember you asking for, uh, the, the PowerPoint that we did on goal setting and just to review some of those concepts and, you know, those, those things are really, those are great, you know, for, for us and for our coaching staff to, to stay motivated, to keep using that information, knowing that whenever players use it and whenever it's valuable to them, it, it is at some point. And, uh, you know, we just have to stay consistent with that. Yeah. I know, especially on like a university team, it might be like a lot of time they might not have time for this even, or there's so many guys, there's a 50, 60 guys on a team that like you, it's kind of dog eat dog, right? Like the best are going to play. And if you don't have these skills already formed, like you're, that's not the place you're informed unless they specifically cut out time. Like some schools may see the value in that and cut that out. But yeah, as somebody coming up, it, it, it's so valuable to have that at the start because if you don't have those, those uh, pathways built, then yeah, it's, I don't know. Like I, to me, it's like, having let's say you did your laundry and it's it's sitting in the basket and like your room might be a bit messy to me it feels just like i feel cluttered whereas like having all that stuff in my mind just scheduling it or putting it down it just kind of it's like cleaning everything it just just allows you to think better allows you to do everything better i guess so yeah puts it in like a usable form we get lots of players who even when we're having conversations and and we ran a college program for the first time this past summer. And so some, there were, there were two players there that I'd worked with a long time when they were in high school. And then it had been um, two years and a full year for two different players since I'd worked with them on a daily basis for hitting. And that was one of the things that I really noticed coming back from university, just the way that they took information and processed it. And then they were able to communicate it back was just different than our high school players. And I think that's part of those tools that that get developed when 
when you're journaling or when, you know, even when you're having those conversations more regularly is that, you know, when I, when I have an idea and I put it on paper and I process it a little bit differently, then I can pass that on to my coach a bit differently. You know, I can articulate that to another player to help them a little bit differently. And I think just being able to process all of that information from a different perspective and, and to be able just to be able, you know, to, to have it go around a couple times in your head, a different way, all of a sudden that information can be way more usable. Right. So, um, I think, I think that can be a, just a big key. And like you said, just, just getting it on paper, you know, whatever it is, even if it doesn't have a ton of structure, just being able to get that information out can be really, really big. Yeah. I know like, especially some days, like, honestly, I remember like the guy who came up with me, Brett, him and I, some days in class, you, you just, you wouldn't be there and just stuff going on. You just, you're not, into it as much but i think it's it's just like i said small a lot of small moments it's people ask me about some of the things i've done like oh, how'd you do that like where did you get like the discipline to do this every day and i don't it's not like having an answer really it's just thinking back like now that i'm 24 and i've kind of arrived on and i know what kind of path like athletically might not be exact sport wise what i want to do but i want to be in athletics and take that as a career and whatever comes with that. So taking all this stuff I've learned, but yeah, people ask like, well, where'd it come from? It's like, I, like I can't choose today's the day it came. It's right. just kind of you built, you start. And then if you just keep with it, you'll just keep building and building and building and eventually you just utilize them all almost seamlessly and without even realizing it. But it's just part of like a, like I remember at the start, it felt almost like, a, oh, I got to write this. But now it's just kind of like, oh, it's the end of the day. Like I'm writing this. It just it just happens. So yep. it yep. just becomes like a, a routine instead of like it's a lifestyle instead of forcing it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It takes a lot less effort as you get going, you know, and I think lots of players feel like it can be it can be maybe disruptive to some of their training at the start you know, to be able, if they do have ideas or if they're, you know, they watched a quick film or they got some feedback from a coach or something, it can be disruptive to go in and, and to be able to write something down. I think in game that can happen as well, but you know, I just, one of the pictures that I show all the time and to all of our players is Paul Goldschmidt. And I, I have a picture and I noticed it when I was watching a game and it's a TBS broadcast and I just love it because they, they just finished a game and they had lost. So he's just gathering his stuff and he's leaving the dugout and there is a whole shelf of iPads. There's got to be eight or nine iPads there. And I noticed in his, in his glove, he had a, like a, a bound, a leather bound journal in his glove on the bench in the middle of a major league game, you know, and he has access to any kind of digital information he wants. He can watch any at bat from any game against any pitcher. And he still has a leather bound book that he writes in. And he obviously not, he either used it and read that information, or he was actually actively writing in it in the dugout. And, you know, that just really struck me the, you know, just the contrast between all of that digital uh, access that he has to whatever he wants. And he still has a handwritten bound binder that he goes to and he writes in, uh, in the middle of games or refers to in the middle of games. And, and, and that's a, that's a professional athlete that 
literally has all day to prepare for his games, you know, and, and he still wants to be able to have that with him and on him all the time, even in the dugout. So, um, you know, I show that to my players all the time that, you know, and, and they always say, well, can I take notes on my phone? And well, you can do that. Right. But there's something about writing it down. And I don't know if that's just old school or what, but I just, there is, there is something about pen to paper and writing it down for sure. And then I guess you can, have access to that whenever, right? You don't have to yep. worry about battery life or yep. anything like that. You just bring it and it's with you. Yeah, that's right. Um, I know, especially you and my coach who kind of got me into the endurance stuff in Kelowna, Luke Way, I see a lot of like similarities in the way you guys do things. And um, it's cool to see like completely different sports and everything, but how similar some of the mindsets are and some of the training things and everything and, being able to get a different perspective, but same like foundational stuff is super cool for me to see. Um, I was wondering with what's your perspective on like cross training for athletes. As I know for me, and this is kind of different with, I guess the two different types of sports I've done where baseball is a very skilled sport and we'll do weightlifting. We'll do strength and conditioning, endurance stuff to help with, being a better baseball player, but there is a lot of focus on skill work. Whereas like for the triathlon stuff I did or endurance, it's more or less doing the training to get better at the sport. Like you're running to get better at running right? and you can do obviously like strength stuff or you can work on technique, but I think it's different than like some of the uh, like intangible stuff that you get as a athlete who just reacts to things and skills. Um, and I know, like, you look at, let's say, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL, who is, like, an unreal quarterback who's throwing at, like, these different arm angles. A lot of that came from his baseball background. Or, like, how do you – what's your perspective on cross-training? And I, I think the cross-training is so important. And I know that that was, that was something that it, it almost seemed like a bit of a – bit of a fad like it became super popular and everybody was pushing it and i i always i always think that when i say that people probably look at me and um they they wonder well how can you say that when you run a high school baseball academy like you're you're training athletes for you know 320 hours in a school year how can you be the one that's saying it's really important to cross train and you know my my response to that is 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 twofold one is that the reason that I love the the attachment and the academic side of it, putting it right into our school day, means that players have the ability to do stuff after school and on their weekends. So, you know, we have volleyball players and we have basketball players, and and I think that that is that is so important to the baseball development. I think you know we were talking earlier about the amount of time that we spend inside, and there are certainly some advantages to that. There's certainly a lot of disadvantages to that. One of the disadvantages that I see with players coming out of Alberta, coming out of this area, is that they do lack some athleticism. And I think that that comes from indoor training and how mechanical and robotic it can get and lots of drill work over and over again and you know, we can, we can certainly refine all those movement patterns and the mechanics themselves probably get a lot better, but we don't see the athleticism. You're saying, you know, throwing on different arm angles and things like that when we're inside and we're not reacting to plays, we don't necessarily always have that. So that's something over the past few years that we've really tried to build in is not only 
trying to make sure that we can expand our reach in our academy, which means that players should have more time evenings and weekends to do other sports, uh, to referee, to work a part-time job, to have a bit more of a holistic life. But it also for us means that, you know, we've changed the way that we've trained a little bit used a little bit. We, we use more medicine balls for movement patterns that relate to say throwing or hitting, but we're just trying to make them better movers. And we've also changed our drill work a little bit to try to add some athleticism. You know, unlike basketball, when we're practicing basketball and, and we see players on the court in practice and in games, it's developing those movement skills, general athleticism. And you can take a player out of a basketball game and they're a better mover. I'm not always convinced that baseball is developing athleticism. You know, it is, like you said, it is a, it's a fine, it's more of like a motor skill. um, And, and it doesn't innately within the game have a lot of athletic demands to it. So we've been trying to add that to our practices and being able to give players the ability to still read and react and throw from different arm angles and make say run like throws from the run and and all of those things to be able to challenge their athleticism a little bit more. It ends up for us in the winter it can become, you know, really uh, really repetitive, I guess, for the players, but also a little bit robotic, you know, with, with our movement skills. And we want to try to stay away from that as much as we can. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that's, that's changed for us with our, um, with our, uh, training is not just continuing to encourage them to play other sports. We, we do love that. And and we want to create an environment where they can do that. But, um, part of it is also in our training as well is making sure that, uh, that our training is, um, baseball specific, but still athlete general where they can still move out of our training programs. And if they decided to jump on a basketball court, they wouldn't look totally out of place. So, yeah, that makes sense. I know, um, some of the like drills we did back when I was playing, even just like field and grounders, you'd have some pace on it, some urgency, and it kind of just gets you like out of your head. If, unless there's just like, you're in a line of five guys and you get one ball hit to you and you're like, like, Oh, I'm coming up in four now three now. And you like overthink right. it. Whereas right. like you'd have us up and you'd be like, Hey, you're getting 20 balls. Boom, boom. And it's just like reacting to things yep. or same. I remember playing, uh, when I was in Okanagan college and it was, we had just like a beach day with all, all of our team. We we're playing football. I just like snagging football one hand. I remember like our captain or shorts. I was like, dude, like where, where's this on the diamond? It's just like I just get so in my head with things, but when it's just time to react and play, it's just you feel so much looser. So I know just getting out there and being able to shift the training a bit to let that happen makes a big difference for sure. Yeah, and developing skills is always important. That's always a big part of what we do, you know, trying to refine movement patterns and trying to make players better hitters. But, you know, like you said, it's it's about developing players so they can react on the field and be more athletic on the field. And it's also about making our training to a point where it, it actually challenges you mentally, right? It has a bit of cognitive challenge as well, not just, you know, backhand, 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 but, you know, maybe it's a backhand and I've, I have to choose where to throw or I've got to make a throw from a different angle or feel the ball on a different angle and make a throw on the run and, and challenging players in different ways. I think, again, when we're talking about facility it's not always about 
you know, shiny new facility and how many toys we have. But here, for sure, we've got more space. Mm-hmm. And space for us allows us, again, to be able to challenge our players in different ways. And, um, and I think that can, be, that can be really important for them to develop their skills that will actually translate on the field. Um, I'm sure you and we've all seen players that are really, really great in practice. And then when they get into games, it's, it seems like it's a struggle for them, right? It's a lot tougher for them. And I think some of that comes back to, to the way that we train our players. And we're trying to make sure that we get away from that. And, um, you know, I, you, you mentioned football and two of the things that I remember, um, back two of my, my most ingrained memories of you. One was when you had the football machine out when we were at our old training center. Uh, we used to share it with crash conditioning. We were at our old training center and you had a two wheel jugs football machine, which I'd never seen before. You know, we've used them a lot for baseball or whatever, but the two wheel jugs, and uh, my brother-in-law, Tyler, he was our strength coach at the time. And we were firing footballs out of there. And you were making catches one-handed. And I'd never, I'd never seen that. I'm not a huge football guy. I don't watch a lot of NFL. But uh, I was super impressed with just being able to handle that ball coming out at that pace. And I remember Tyler, of course, he wants to jump in and he wants to try a little bit. And, and he had trouble handling anything with two hands, you know, and, and just the way that you were able to do that, that was something that was really impressive to me. Um, I think that's part of the reason why when I think back to your skill set and the way that your skill set developed, and, uh, I actually, I, I was gonna, I, I found a video of you, your defensive video, and we used to take defensive videos in the fall. And, uh, we didn't always take defensive video, uh, for college recruiting purposes. We didn't always do that in the fall for our grade tens because, you know, it looks a little rough and we might not use it and whatever we, we took it that year. And so I have a video of you. You're probably like three or four weeks into our program. And I, I got to pull it out and I got to show it to you because that's one of those things I think where players again, where they are three or four months into our program and they forget what they look like in September, right? When they put in all that work and they're putting in that time and that development, they forget how far they've come. And uh, I said to a couple of our other coaches, I said, you have to see this video, you know, and I'll have to ask you because I think, you know, I want to show it to some of our players and say, listen, this is, this is like four weeks in grade 10 and the skill set there, like the movement patterns, like everything is just, you can tell it's really rough, you know, it's just really raw and it's, it's not really that refined. It looks like it's a lot of work for you. And then, you know, I was, I was telling one of our other coaches who, who coached you in our league and, you know, I said, I, I watched this video. It just came up on my computer. I was cleaning it out and I just, I clicked on it. And I said, you have to watch this video because you would be amazed, you know, and they actually said, they said, you know, and Nick turned into one of our, our best, most sure-handed shortstops in our league. And for our players to be able to see, this is where you were three weeks in, in grade 10 and got to that point where, you know, I'm, I know I have your, your spring grade 12 defensive mm-hmm. video, but to be able to see that amount of progress, I think that, that is, that would be really, really cool. Um, I'll have to put that together and show it to you because it, it was really amazing to me. Uh, and, and for me, I even, even I had forgotten, I'd forgotten like what, at what level you came in at and where, how raw and, and undeveloped your skills were. And then, you know, to see where you got to when you were in grade 12 was, was a pretty incredible transformation. So. Yeah. I'd like to see that. I just remember being, I felt like a kid coming in. Like I was even just some of the like grade 12 guys we trained with, they're like developed muscles and like 
strong. I just like I was just so green, just like a kid. So that'd be funny to see for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to find that and dig it out. Yeah. Um. What would you say? Last thing here, kind of. What would you think? Uh, an athlete or uh, would be like the most important thing to learn or implement that it like if they're younger starting out or if they are into their career and they haven't heard or done any of these things, like what would you say is the number one thing to kind of start with or implement or I, I would, the one spot where I would start is with the journaling. I think it's just, it's so foundational to all the other skills. Some of the other skills can be, you know, really complex. They can be a lot, a lot more difficult. Um, I remember going through like just some, some really simple visualization type techniques and things like that. And, and we've had some players that are, that had trouble even just getting an image, closing their eyes and getting an image of just a baseball or an apple or a whatever. Right. Uh, so some of those, some of those skills can be complex. I think, the, the journaling can be something that can be implemented at any age. And, you know, I do that with my kids. They just, they have, you know, I, I have breakfast with them every day. I'm really lucky. I, I make them breakfast every day, take them to school every day. And so I have this time in the morning where I can, I can just be with them and talk to them. And one of the things that we did is, you know, we don't do it every day, but we try to do it once a week where we just pull out books and we'll, I'll just, I'll just cue them with one thing, you know, and, and we'll take, two or three minutes and we'll write something down. And it's something that, again, do, do I know, do I know that they're getting out of it what I think maybe they should be getting out of it? You know, like when I, when it goes through in my head and I'm like, this is a great idea because of this, you know, does, does my youngest daughter, does she get that? I don't know, but you know, just being able to do it and then being able to have that tool if and when she ever needs it um, to really be able to to put something down on paper that she doesn't want to talk to anybody about or, you know, she just wants to have that tool to be able to set a goal or, you know, to be able to put something down and, and commit to something, then, you know, I want them to be able to have that tool. And so I've seen that with our grade 12s, 17, 18-year-old players, and I've seen that skill work with them, being able to, to develop a journaling habit and to be able to put that into practice. And then I've seen it with, you know, eight, nine-year-olds who, you know, again, are are they going to get the same thing out of it? Maybe not, but are they going to be able to, to do that and still see some kind of value out of it? I totally think so. And I, I think that's probably... Um, I think that's probably one of the big tools. Um, the, the other, the other one for me, and this comes, I guess, from having a background with families and I'm always really careful because I want to help our players a lot, you know, and I want to be able to help them in a lot of different ways, baseball and, you know, with, with being able to control their schedule and, and academics and with their family. But I, you know, I never want to cross that line where I'm, you know, I'm trying to tell people how to parent their kids. So I try to be really careful about that. But, you know, one of the things that, that has always been one of those lines that I think is really important for, you know, for me to maybe risk stepping over that line a little bit is, is with time management. And when you talk about foundational tools that can impact your life in multiple ways, I think time management is one of those tools, you know, it's journaling and, and time management can do that because, it's, I talk to players a lot about, you know, if you don't, if you don't prove that you can control things like your schedule, then your parents who, you know, up until a certain point, they've had to control your schedule. That's, that's just part of parenting. 
um, they're going to continue to do that. And if that happens going forward, when you're not in sort of that more closed environment of being in high school, then I I feel like players, uh, when they get out into that world, the college world, that they can really struggle if they don't have those tools. And, you know, so I'm constantly encouraging them to, to take control of their scheduling. You know, if, if, if to the extent that they can to be able to control it a hundred percent if possible. And I, I know that's not always possible, but really trying to encourage them to take control of their own schedule. Um, that would be the second one. And, and I see that a lot with, with players as they're getting older, um, you know, not being prepared, not being on time. You know, we talked about that just this past week with some of our groups and, you know, they show up two or three minutes before the start of their session and they think they're on time, right? And they're they're coming in and they're tying their shoes right when our session's supposed to start. And, um, you know, they, they, they think that's okay. They think they're on time. So, you know, just being able to... To, to teach that to them that, you know, when you're, when you're catching the bus in college, you know, showing up right at the time that the bus is leaving with your bags is, you know, that's not going to quite cut it. So um, I think that would be the other big one for me is, is to get a, to get a grasp on that early as early as possible. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's uh, learned a lot from you and it's awesome to kind of reflect and talk about it and, well, thank you. I really appreciate having you. This this was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I I since since you graduated out of our program, you know, every year I hope for more players like you. So, you know, I appreciate that, especially coming from you. That means a lot. I appreciate you saying that. Um, did you have any with the Diamond Dogs social media or stuff people would follow you on? Or yeah, it's uh, Diamond Dogs YYC, and uh, they can see everything about our winter training, our indoor facility, our academy, and the transition that that's making away from the National Sport Academy. They can see all of that stuff. So and then website uh... Uh, DiamondDogs.com. Okay. Yep, and they can find everything there. Sweet. Yep. Well, that's uh, episode four, Mickey Kawahara. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. See ya. All right, keeping us bad. Mm-hmm.